the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God. So last scream said, and then what? If this not an Orthodox teaching, if it's not a Catholic teaching, if it's not a Protestant teaching, what is it? Let me share with you, and this time will be really quick. I'm quoting him only, and then you will read it from the history to see what kind of heresy is it. The conclusion is, before we reach it, it's a man-made cocktail of heresies. You will see it by your own eyes now. This is his book, The Inner Man and the Formation of Man, the counter plan of God. Because the whole church has been corrupted, according to his teaching, because the church lost all her richness and her treasures, blinded, has a thick cover of layer of darkness, hear what he pretends that God is making it. It's a counter plan of God is to find people who would stand in the spirit without Holy Spirit, without baptism, without epiphany and say restore what blundered and rooted. As a result, the devil would release his prisoners and the veils that are covering the minds would fall down. The mind would then be opened to the spiritual understanding and the spirit would experience the deep hunger for God. So we are looking for the people who are going to stand in this gap. The other book, uh, Responsibility for the Regeneration, he received a commission. And uh, you have the reference of the page. I remember the time when I first received the call to be entrusted for the generation. Again, it's a divine appointment according to his view. He was entrusted not among a group, he is the one who is entrusted for the generation. It was a time that completely changed my life. I caused a deep change in my spiritual life that brought a new lifting up. I was traveling in an aeroplane, reading in my seat, when my inner eyes were opened to understand that he is waiting for those who are ready to receive a commission, a task for the generation. Then everything became very clear and definite. The reasons for all my work were now very clear and I was going to different places to do something definite. And I knew that God's hand was empowering my work. So there is a few people to be collected and now one of those few is the person who is entrusted for the whole generation. Lofi charger, because it's going to charge for Ibe. In the same book, once more. I will read just a red part, which is very clear. And then there will be the person who has in, was entrusted for the generation, who had a heart for his generation. He is saying, when you go to heaven, you'll, you'll find him there. He is the person who has a heart to this generation. They were happy to be hidden. Again, he's talking about himself and the group around him. They were happy to be hidden to simply bear the responsibility of bringing blessings to this generation. So, few people are going to be chosen. One of them will be the man of the generation, or the responsible and trusted man for the generation. And when you go to heaven, you will see he is the one. Page 11 in the book, Bright and the End Time. In addition to this, he was making a, a conference in Israel, 
And he was telling him, what I am saying is something very special. Why? In addition to this, we need to remember that such global spiritual food, what he's offering, is a global food. Take place only once a year. This means that the spiritual food and divine grace and pouring which you will receive during this retreat are for the whole year. I will speak once, and you have to be fed for one year. Why? Remember that God's arrangement, which he handed down to his people, Israel, in the Old Testament, was annual. You see the connection? God was giving them feast on an annual basis. And now I'm feeding you once every year, annually. And this is the food, global spiritual food, will take place once a year. Now a person talking about himself. Once more in the same book, what, what he was saying was not a natural word. And it's not only for everyone. Why? Let us read page 12. Another matter of great importance. Once, you see, the church father said, of great importance, expect something unusual. Hear what he says. Another matter of great importance which has become absent or negligent in our days, of course, from the church, is that such big spiritual events, which God plans, as you will read and understand through the pages of this book, again, the bride and the end times, require not only to be addressed as a teaching, but also as a proclamation in the heavenly places. So what he is saying and teaching is a proclamation in the heavenly places. While the talks were delivered to the listeners, heaven, the angels, the spirits of the saints was also witnessing what is being presented. It was witnessing it and recording it, recording it in the heavenly sphere until God's purposes, which his spirit reveals, are completely manifested in the fullness of God's time. So he is chosen the few, then he is the entrusted man of the generation, and now what he is saying is a global annual food, and in the same time, proclaimed in heaven, recorded by the saints and the angels. Same book, page 198 and 99. The rest of the world is believing in the millennium, which is a heresy in our church. We don't believe in this millennium. The rest of the souls who will be alive at the time of coming of the king will be left for a stage of sanctification and getting ready for what is to come. They have a chance to respond to the gospel preaching to them during this period of reign, which is 1,000 years. All will submit to the king, even there were some people who have some kind of rejection or they cared less. So, again, he is the good few people entrusted for salvation of the whole generation, then he is the entrusted man of the generation. His words are proclamation to heaven, recorded in heaven by the saints, and now he is believing in the... This is out of Okay.
I will just answer this in one minute in one screen. This is an article by Father Anthony Cunieris. He is one from the OCA. And he's saying rupture is the indisputable heresy. You have the link. And here he is quoting even a Protestant theologian. Though many believe and teach this pre-tribulation rupture theory, they are anomalously do so because neither Jesus, Paul, Peter, John, or any other of the writers of the Bible taught this, nor the early church fathers, nor any other of many hundreds of years. Did you know that none of this was ever taught prior to 1812? So an OCA priest saying it's wrong, a Protestant, quoting a Protestant theologian saying it's wrong, never heard of till 1812. Then we have the two lists of the old man, awakening the old man, and awakening the new man. When we said this is part of it is black Jainism, but mainly it's uh, there's something wrong with uh, Anyway, which slide? We are in number, page two, yes. We quoted Father Anthony Cunieris, and then we have the two lists. One of them is the old man, awakening the old man, and the other one is awakening the new man. Yes. So the fourth or the fifth point is the list of being as such. In this one, we show the hatred of the church. And just close, uh, oh, focus on, it's moving by itself. <laughs> okay. Can you bitch too? Yes. Yeah. But it doesn't work here. Move it. Yes, next one. Okay. Can you fill the water? It's bitch too. Page 2, in, uh, and I'm quoting in, from his book, The Bride and the End Time, page 84, again, to emphasize on the few faithful. This leads to an important question, and that is, what does this signify? This clearly highlights that the people who were carried away captive were distinct people and select few who left their land and faced suffering and pain. Yet in God's eyes, they were very good victory just to make, make it more messy. You remember, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 24, was an analogy about the fig tree and bad, good, uh, good fig and bad fig. He was telling them the good fig is the ones who are going to be taken into captivity, and the Lord is going to bring them back when they are restored and worshiping God wholeheartedly. He took these verses to say, those who went out of the Israel into captivity, there are the few good people. So because you are out of the church, you are the few good people. You see the connection? 
And then he's adding, he chooses the remnant. So he is the remnant. The few faithful, the others are non-faithful, who have kept themselves in obedience to God and his commandments, like Daniel and the three young men who were faithful even during the time of captivity. It's all fallacy because those who have been taken into captivity, the majority were not faithful like Daniel and, and the three young men. So now we are trying to put something to say, I am, we are the few faithful, and I am the one who is entrusted for this thing. In the same Uh, page 164, it's page 3 in these papers. Distorting the original design. This one. Next. Yes. Yes, sorry. Distorting the original design of marriage. And again, as I said early in the morning, I would like to be fully disconnected from any support community because you have to get no one around you except me and the few of the few. This is again chapter 164 to see the distortion of the marriage. Before the fall, this unity of the two partners as a husband and wife did not separate them from God. This is right. Because each one of them was in a state of being united with God. Again, this is the saying of Mahat Aziz in the Bride and in Time, page 164. After the fall, which is totally not right. After the fall, each partner started to seek the other partner because he or she feels lacking and that something essential is missing. So to need my wife or to need your husband is a consequence of the fall. Because he or she is estranged from God, after the person receives the faith in Christ, he or she still seeks the visible other, even if you receive the person of Christ. This is bad. If you receive the saving grace and the person of Christ, still you are distorted. After the person receives the faith in Christ, he or she seeks the visible other because he or she is not able to be fully united with God. This seeking of a visible other became in an instinct and deep-rooted thing in humanity. This is because man became unable to fully find and unite with the unseen other God whom man is called to unite with. So, is it true? Let me share with you just one verse. And this verse is repeated four times in the Bible. He is saying this is a consequence of the fall, that I am clinging to my wife or my wife is clinging to me. Let us read together Genesis 2, 23 and 24. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined with, with his wife and they shall become one flesh. Is it before the fall or after the fall? It's before the fall. 
So it's not a consequence of the fall to leave and cleave and unite with your wife. But I want you even not to be connected as such with your wife or with husband. This verse repeated in Matthew 19.5 and Mark 10.7 and St. Paul repeated the same verse in Ephesians 5.31 and we hear it and we heard it in our weddings in the liturgy of matronomy. Let me share with you two things. This is the apostolic canon, canon number 51, to say if you discourage marriage or to show it in a way that it is a status of fallen nature. If any bishop, presbyter, or deacon, or anyone abstains from marriage or flesh or wine, not by way of religious restraint, but as abhorring them, it's a consequence of your fall. Forgetting that God made all things very good and that he made man male and female, what is the consequence? Let him be corrected or else be disposed and cast out of the church. Same in the Council of Gangra, Canon 1 and Canon 14. If anyone shall condemn marriage or abstain or condemn a woman who is a believer and devout, and sleeps with her own husband, as though she could not enter the kingdom, let him be anathema. If any woman shall forsake her husband and resolve to depart from him because she abhors marriage, let her be anathema. I think you heard these words many times. I'm not going to go into details. Here is the answer in a very simple way. And what is called, what we have mentioned now, what is the name of it in the church history? Let us first read Eusebius of Syria. He is telling us about a man called Montanus. As he, Montanus, became beside himself. What does it mean, beside himself? He's isolated. And being suddenly in a sort of a frenzy and ecstasy, he raved and began to babble and utter strange things, prophesying in a manner contrary to the constant custom of the church, handed down by tradition and from the beginning. And here what Abuna Tadros is saying in his very famous book, Panoramic View and Patristics, page 93-94. Montanus called believers to abstain from marriage. Why? For the end of the age was at hand. He's mentioned hundred times in the books. They, all, they who dissolved marriages gather in an appropriate place waiting the descent of the heavenly Jerusalem, the new Zion. Montanus in the second century was a charismatic who maintained that he received direct revelation, but not in an aeroplane, of course, from the Holy Spirit. He considered himself the last great prophet who established the heavenly city. Okay. Oh, yes, next one. Here, the main nine criteria of Montanism. First of all, again, according to Abu Tadros, page 264, Montanism, in the second century, they were ascetic and shalaistic, which means believing in the millennium. Ascetic and believing in the millennium. Expecting 
expected an imminent start of the millennium. Christ is coming very soon. Consider themselves spiritual and others carnal. Continued prophetic revelation held to a universal priesthood of believers. We didn't discuss this point, but it's very clear. That's why there is no priesthood, because we don't need any sacraments. Opposed art of any kind, this is not there, demanded absolute obedience of their followers. Sought martyrdom, encouraged, never said don't marry, encouraged abstinence from marriage. Does it make any sense to what we have presented from his writings? And this list that Abu Nadad was putting it as the main characteristic of Montanism? Yes, it is Montanism in its fullness nearly. One more thing. With another heresy in the fourth century called Messalians. Messalians means those who pray. The Yukites or Messalians were a sect first mentioned in the year 370 by Ephraim the Syrian, Epiphanius, and Jerome. They originated in Mesopotamia, then spread to Asia Minor and Thiras. Bishop Flavian of Antioch condemned them in 376. And then the Council of Ephesus, 431, condemns them once more. What did they believe in? Here was they believe. The reference in front of your eyes and in your teeth. The chief acquisition against them are their emphasis on prayer and spiritual experience to expel sins conceived a demonic the resulting disregard for the church and its sacraments, especially baptism. Does it make any sense? As well as the renunciation of the work and social relation. Does it resonate with anything you have seen? The Messalians belong in the tradition of the free Syrian ascetics. The sole identifiable protagonist is Alpheus of Edessa. This is only a person. Let us move on. See how OCA is condemning Messianism. John Meindorf on Messianism in uh, a book, Rome, Constantinople, Moscow, and page 34. Messianism was repeatedly condemned on several doctrinal counts, but particularly because it considers the knowledge of God a personal, ascetic achievement independent of the sacred nature of the sacramental nature of the church. Does it fit with what he have discussed this morning? The church affirms that, on the contrary, divine life and knowledge of God are gifts, both gracious and common to all the baptized, through also depending upon personal spiritual effort. It's synergy again. Let us see the notes on the Nicene and Post-Nicene Fathers on Messalians in uh, Volume 2. Although so opposed to the face of the Church, yet for all this, the Messalians did not separate themselves from her communion. Watch out. You are not going to separate themselves from the communion of the Churches. What does it mean? I'm still going to your Church. I'm going to attend an OCA or an Coptic Church or an whatever Church. What does it mean? See what, what he's saying. They don't believe in the communion as a mystery 
which sanctifies us because I have my principles of sanctification of forming Christ, which must be approached with fear and faith, but only came to the holy table to hide themselves and to pass for Catholic, Catholic in the Catholic Church, not that church as a denomination. For this was one of their artifices. When they asked, they had no hesitation in denying all that they believed. Because this is my wording, justifying, justified lying. And were willing to anathemize those who thought with them. All this they did not, they did without fear because they were taught and they had attained perfection that is impassibility. The Council of Ephesus 431 is saying of, of those people, but if they decline, if they don't accept the proper teaching of the church, if they decline and not assemblatize, if they are presbyters or deacons and hold any other rank in the church, they are to fortify their clerical status and grade and communion. If they are laity, let them be anathemized. Here he's adding one thing, they cannot be leading monasteries. In addition, those who have been condemned are not to be permitted to lead any monastery. Sorry. Yes. Yes. That's why we are not justifying what the Holy Synod did. In 2002, this person, was excommunicated based on the church teaching, based on an old canon in the church in the Council of Ephesus. Can you change it? Because here it's, 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 uh, it's off now. So in a very simple way, it's on not only Montanism, it's also it's Messalianism. If you go further, we read in the book, The Bride and the End Time, page 34, 39 and 40, the early Christians, again, once you hear this word, it means the coming is not true. Both Jews and Gentiles continued to attend the synagogues on the Sabbath. And during the Jewish feast, in addition to this, they attended their churches on Sunday. So he's claiming that the early church, was all the believers, goes to Saturday, the synagogue and uh, temple, and on Sunday to go to church. This continued until the second century. We know about this because it was mentioned in the letters of Bishop Ignatius, second century. So he's mentioning now the bishop. This is another book. I said they didn't mention this book. The name of the father that Ignatius of Antioch mentioned this. Okay, we'll see now what Ignatius said. And in the Shepherd of Hermas, and we will we'll miss this for time's sake, there are also some historical reference that suggest that the possibility that this had continued in different places until the 4th and the 5th century. And he was trying to say that now it's time to revive the church to become Jewish once more. In the same page, the synagogues was considered by believers, Christian believers, as the place where they went to hear the divine scriptures being read and explained. 
and where teaching was presented from the scripture, there is a reference to this in Acts 15.21, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. At that time, the books of the scriptures were not available for believers. If you read the same chapter, you'll find he's misquoting the verse as usual, but I will not waste your time in this point. But let me show you that his trial now is to show that the church remained Jewish for the first four centuries, and that's why she was strong. Once she became only Christian, it became weak, lost everything, and he is now reviving the church by making the church Jewish Christian once more. And this is a heresy. A heresy appeared in Russia in 1504, and According to the Catholic Encyclopedia, it says those Judaizers, and let me read only the first two lines. It's in page 7 in your handouts. With the, this appearance of the Jewish Christian community of Jerusalem at the time of rebellion, which is 67 to 70 AD, which is the first century, the question about circumcision and the observance of the law ceased to be of any importance in the church and soon became a dead issue. We are talking about the first century. At the beginning of the second century, St. Ignatius of Antioch, it is true, he was saying, it is true, still warns against the Judaizer, warning, not confirming, in his epistle to Philippians. But the danger was probably more of a memory than a reality. St. Ignatius martyred in the year 108. He was warning not to, not saying we have to and we are going to. A big difference between both of them. That's why the church sees in this, it's an apostate. He is called, and this is, oh, yes. Read. I'm not sure why it is not here. Maybe moved somewhere else. Yes, it's not here. We read it from the screen. This again, com commentary of Saint, not a scholar origin on Jews, and he was stating the same thing. It is not there. And one more, this is the epistle of Saint Ignatius to the Ephesians. He was confirming and warning. Nevertheless, I have heard of some who have passed on from this to, the, to you, having false doctrine whom he did not allow to sow among you. And then this doctrine is Judaizers. People wants to tell them, go. And he's telling them, it's a heresy in the first century. His uh, letter to Magnesia, but do not deceive with strange doctrines, nor that of old fables, which are unprofitable. For if we still live according to the Jewish laws, well, acknowledge that we have not received grace. So he was not confirming it. He was warning anyone still living this life. And here what he is saying. Now we are called by artifacts to keep the Sabbath. Here is totally exactly. Don't do anything like them. He was telling them, those who live according to the old order of things have come to new hope and observe no longer Saturday, but the Sunday. In many of his books, 
we have to revive. We have to come back to the Saturday again. And this is two volumes only on the Saturday. The literature of the Sabbath, and here what he is stating. As the apostles observed compassionately and charitably, and in order to meet the Jews upon it, but not as if, as if obligation. You were going to the synagogues to preach Christ, not to hear the scripture as he is saying, not to keep the Saturday and Sunday. St. Paul went to each synagogue in Europe, but not to listen to the scripture, to convince the Jews there that it's time to know Christ. The waiting Messiah has arrived, not to tell them we keep the Saturday, a Sabbath, and we are going to add to it the Sunday. That's why the Didachi is saying the same. Don't fast like them. Some people heard that we have to fast Monday and Thursday. It's not true. The Didachi, which is written nearly 75 to 125 after Christ, is showing that, but do not, let not your fast be with the hypocrites, for they fast on the second and the fifth, Monday and Thursday. Rather fast on the fourth day and preparation which is Sunday. This from the first century, beginning of the second century. The history of the Sabbath is confirming the same. So the teaching is a teaching of a Judaizer for a reason or another. Once more, he's telling us a nation before him forever. Thus says the Lord, it's again bright uh, in time, page 23. Says the Lord who gives the sun for a light by day and the ordinance of the moon and the stars of the light by night. And then he was seeing as a veil, and it waves roar. If those ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me to confirm Israel is still Israel. What does it mean? Notice here, this is the words of Atfadid. The reference to the sun, moon, and the sea, which exist forever in the same way. God sees Israel as a nation before him forever. And then he extended in the book, this is the nation. We need to join the nation to be revived. And this is in brief, what we call non-replacement. Maybe this word is quite new, but very simple to explain in a minute. We as Orthodox, all the Orthodox in the world, we are none. Sorry, we are replacement. We adopt a replacement theology. Every single promise in the Old Testament for Israel is now for the new Israel, the church. The non-replacement theology, they believe in Israel still is the same, like most of the Southern Baptist Church. That's why they are supporting it. This is the teaching alien to the Coptic Church, alien to most of the Orthodox churches. We are a non-replacement theology church. Sorry, we are replacement. We replaced church uh, with uh, Israel. Then we have seen the legalism in it, which shows very clearly it is blasphemism. So it's Montanism, Messianism, Judaizer, non-replacement theology, and it's blasphemism. Yes, legendism is I am doing my own salvation. It's work-based theology without grace at all. One more thing to see that even Catholic Church has been affected by it. 
There's two heresies in the Catholic Church. I will share only one. The other one is called Bogomilism. This one is Catharism. The Catharism, and I will have only two quotes. One, by themselves, and one, around about them. The screen is quite small, but you can read all in your handouts. So here's an account of how they saw themselves sent to Saint Bernard of Clairvaux. Of themselves, they say, we are the poor of Christ, who have no fixed abode, and flee from a city to a city, like sheep amidst wolves, are persecuted, as were the apostles and the martyrs, despite the fact that we lead a most strict and holy life, preserving day and night in fast and abstinence, in prayers, in labor, from which we seek only the necessity of life. We undergo this because we are not of this world, but you, lovers of the world, have peace with it because you are of the world. False apostles who polluted the word of Christ, who seek after their own interest, have led you and your father astray from the true path. We and our fathers of the apostolic descent have continued in the grace of God and shall so remain to be to the end time, to distinguish between you, us and you, Christ said, by their fruit you shall know them. Our fruits consist in following the footsteps of Christ. This is what they saw in themselves. Saint Bernard himself is quoting by himself. If you question the heretic about his faith, nothing is more Christian. If about his daily converse, nothing more blameless. And what he says, he proves by his action. As regards his life and conduct, he cheats no one, pushes ahead of no one, does violence to one. Moreover, his cheeks are pale and fasting and does not eat the bread of idleness. He labors with his hands and thus makes his living. Women are leaving their husbands. Men are putting aside their wives, and we all flock to these heretics, clerics and priests, the useful and the adult among them, are leaving their congregation and churches. So the church reached a war, real war, and some of them in the rank of monastic life, they burned them in the 11th and 13th century by the Catholic Church. Of course, we are, it's a code of love still, and we are just showing this was in the Catholic Church as a Catholic. And the other heresy in the Protestant Church appeared in the same thing, and I will just summarize it by the words of sorry yes Christus Janaris Christus Janaris is an Orthodox center he passed away a few days ago and he's saying how pietism it's called pietism as an ecclesial heresy hear what he says for pietism salvation is not primarily the fact of the church you were among the Lutheran theologians the theandropic, new creation of the body of Christ, the mode of existence of its Trinitarian prototype, and the unity of communion over it is not man's dynamic personal participation in the body of Christ, of the church, 
communion which saves in despite his individual unworthiness, restoring him safe and whole to the existence possibility of a personal universality, and transforming even his sin through repentance into the possibility of receiving God's grace and love. But contrary rather, it is primary man's individual attainment, the way he as an individual lives up to religious duties and moral commandments and imitates the virtues of Christ that ensure him a justification which can be objectively verified. For pietism, the church is a phenomenon dependent upon the individual justification. It is the assembly of morally reborn individuals. So in the Protestant church, we were condemned as a pietism with the same characteristics in a sense. Let me finish exactly this time in real five minutes. But I will read first his two statements. It's in page nine. But this is very important. If you listen to nothing the whole day, it's a word for each and every son and daughter. Hear what he said, and we'll read what the father said as well. It's his talk last August, second talk, minute 47. It's written from his talk. Here is the understanding of the early church. Expect what? A disaster. The early church teaches that every person, whether a male or a female, sorry, we read the first one out. This is the last point I like to share with you, and it is very important. Know about the manhood, manhood. I like to explain as much as I can with, the delicate, with this delicate issue. I think we are in a generation with a special ailment, special sickness, special deficiency. What is this disaster? It's all about the real fatherhood and motherhood. Fine, we have a problem here. I know many, many young men and young women who have been raised in a wonderful family, and their parents are really wonderful parents. But despite all this, they have a lot of problems reflecting a lack of receiving the fullness of the fatherhood or motherhood. What is the problem then? The problem is that there is a, la, it is. Not a problem of the parents, because they are doing that their best. But the problem is about the proper understanding of this principle of manhood and fatherhood, because they are connect, so connected and the other side also, womanhood and God's motherhood. And this is very important principle like a treasure that was lost of the church of God at some part of the centuries. For centuries, the church lost his treasure. She was not able to see the fatherhood of God and the motherhood of God. Sorry? He yes, he is saying so. The second slide. Here is the understanding of the early church. The early church teaches that every person, whether a male or female, a man or a woman, is born with a gift of the fatherhood, a dominant fatherhood. Sorry, I say this is of something not yet released. Hidden fatherhood or motherhood, because of course this fatherhood or motherhood has its time to be released. What is the time? When they have kids so that they can exercise this fatherhood and motherhood. And what happens usually, 
the parents will be exciting when they marry, waiting for the kids. And when the kids come, they exercise their natural fatherhood or motherhood. And they give all they can give, all care, all love, or needs, because they are reacting with the new gift, the kids, with their natural hidden gift. Now trying to be released, but this does not work according to the teaching of the early church fathers. Again, simply because it is said no one can really have real fatherhood or motherhood. Where? Where in the fathers? Where in the Bible? Only one who has the fatherhood and the motherhood got the father. Question mark. Because of this, the Bible speaks about God sometimes as a father and sometimes as a mother. The aim behind it is what? The last resource, now you are connected to your mom or to your dad. So I'm telling you that church fathers, which is a big, a big lie, are telling you, be disconnected. You have only one father and one mother who is God the father. Do you believe that? And again, twice in this paragraph, the church father said. So if now, this is his last resource, unfortunately. He disconnected the person from the church by putting hatred and calling the church many different bad names. And now disconnected from your husband or wife. If you are still connected to your mom or dad, it's time to disconnect you. Is it Christian? Is it humanity? I'm not talking now about orthodoxy or Christianity. It's, is it humanity to disconnect you from your mother and father, wife and husband? Pretending that Jesus said, so one of the questions said, Jesus said, if you love, yes, if you love them more, which means I have to love God first from all my heart, and through this love, I will love my mother and father and everyone around me. Remember, it's the first commandment with a promise. Honor your father and mother. And no other commandment can change the word of God. Yes, we believe in the full fatherhood of God. But the word of the motherhood of God is very alien to the church fathers. Very few people use this terminology. And it was not always everywhere by everyone. And that's why be careful when someone is saying, God the Father is the mother. It's a lie. When the Lord was using some analogy to say, like a mother, it doesn't mean that he is a mother. It's a big difference. Christ was a lion, and the devil was a lion. They are not the same. There's only one side of similarity. Not to say that Christ is a lion like the devil. No. Be careful of this. And then, this is the word of Saint Cyprian. I'm not going to read it again because we read it twice this day. But what I would like to share with you, two, three quotes by Saint Cyprian, the recluse, a great Russian saint, considered highly by all the OCA and all Orthodox churches. If you are a son or a daughter, it's time to know what does it mean to be a son or a daughter. So first of all, he's advising, he has a very famous book, The Spiritual Life and How to, attune, to Be Attuned to Its Rule of Prayer. So first, he's telling you if you want to pray. 
So, however, one does not have to do many prayers. Again, this is sense to offend the recluse, telling someone he wants to be a monk. So he's giving advice to someone spiritually hard. However, one does not have to do many prayers. It is better to perform a small number of prayers properly than to hurry through a large number of prayers because it is difficult to maintain the heat of prayerful zeal when they are performed to excess. I would consider the morning and evening prayers as set out in the prayer book to be entirely sufficient for you. This is not what I advise. It's the advice of saints who can recluse. So, but you might think, but I have to obey my spiritual mentor. I'm going to listen to the corrupted church who is not doing as it should be. And in the same book, page 293, Saint Yufan is telling you, it's time to know you are deceived. What is next? The enemy wanted to make you a non-believer. Again, the enemy wanted to make you a non-believer. Now he is making you a rebel. And against whom? Against your parents. Is driving you from your parents' home in order to muddle your brain. Your brain is muddled because you are away from your parents. All is deception. And now he has arranged to cover you with deception. Cross yourself, if you will, and spit on these counsels of the enemy. This is the advice of every son and daughter who is away from his parents because he is making himself, according to the word of saints, offense recluse, an unbeliever. But I renounce the world and I would like to be a monk. Yes, page 279, same book. The decision has been pronounced. But now it is necessary to wait patiently as when and how it will be carried out. Why? Parental blessing is the first condition. Again, this is the teaching of Saint Sufans Recluse, someone who is living by himself. He became a bishop for a long time, nearly eight, eight years, and then he went back. And he's advising those who wants to be monks. The Lord who instilled a good intention within you will carry it out himself to make the same thing in the heart of your parents. But you can easily say, I don't need it. I'm following Christ. And my spiritual mentor, or whoever is, is telling me, go. Again, page 294, 94, from the same book, The Spiritual Life and How to Be Attuned to It. After making the decision to get married, you have only two, not to get married, you have only two ways to leave your parents' home. Again, it's not many ways, it's only two ways. Either to go to a monastery or to the Sisters of Mercy, one or the other, with the blessing of your parents themselves. Again, he can't break the commandments. If you are following anyone, encouraging you to any commandments, he said by his own words, you are like an unbeliever. It's time to come back. With the blessing of your parents themselves, until one thing or the other has come about, Stay at home, endure everything. Stand before the Lord at this very moment. Again, stand before the Lord at this very moment. 
if you will sincerely repenting your evil confusion, it's a confusion, and utter the firm decision, I will wait, I will bear everything with good cheer, thy will be done in everything, O Lord. This is the teaching of a church father, a Russian saint in the Orthodox family, in the Eastern Orthodox family, and telling us how to make it. Does it comply with what we have read? The sickness of our generation that you are clinging to your parents? The sickness of our generation uh, or the result of the fall that you are connected to your wife or to your husband? Does it make any sense? At the very end, Let me share with you the words of St. John Climacus. He who follows his own ideas, which is very clear, in opposition to the direction of his superior, I can tell you, I have a superior, I'm following Atif Aziz or whoever he is, needs no devil to tempt him, for he is the devil of himself. He's asking me, who is the superior of your superior? The church doesn't believe on a superman or a man to be entrusted in or for the generation. The head of the church, the Pope himself, he has his spiritual father. Every bishop, every priest has his own spiritual father. And full surrender. Why? He who follows his own ideas in opposition to the direction of his superior, superiors, not only one, needs no devil to tempt him, for he is a devil to himself. Father Drusius adding, humility saves from all tricks of enemy. There is nothing stronger than humility. Let us have it our own desire and prayer to call everyone back in love. We are not against any person, even the author of these words. We are calling him and everyone followed him at any point to come back to that one faith delivered once to all saints. And that's why this is a mixture of a man-made cocktail of heresies, starting from Montanism, Salianism, Judaizer, Cathars, Biotism, non-replacement, and, and I can add more, but for the sake of time, I think this is more enough. May the glory of Lord Jesus Christ be with you from now and forever and ever.